Welcome to Backroom Talk. Okay, so our first ever live episode of Backroom Talk, and uh, this is something we're going to do first Wednesday of the month, every month. Why are we going live, Carl? Gosh, yeah, I think it's a it's a good opportunity to kind of bring kind of bring everyone together, right? Like we try to get these episodes out as quickly as possible, and try to keep everything as timely and relevant as possible. But it's like, how much more timely and relevant can you get? than right there in the uh in the moment so yeah it's just to have the ability to you know bring in some viewers um answer some questions and quite frankly give us the ability to have some interaction with the people that are listening instead of you and i just kind of shooting the shit like we usually do and we'll still we'll still do that of course absolutely and guys we would love you to engage with us in the chat box so if you have any questions throughout like we would love to answer them uh you know let us know what you're thinking on our end if we say something completely crazy let us know that too uh, and we really look forward to being able to engage with you once a month on these live streams so today we're really going to get into the topic of connection uh, and and clients with their program design carl yeah i think you know, w when we were talking about this, Georgia, we were kind of bouncing around some ideas of some timely and relevant and, quite frankly, things that we wanted to talk about today. And this 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 uh, stood out to me, right, because, you know, I communicate with our gyms on a daily basis and um, I kind of feel the, the pain points that they're having. And, you know, the pain points that they're having is the same that every other coach is having or very similar or even exacerbated uh, to some extent relative to other people. So you know, Europe, for instance, right? Like we're seeing more shutdowns in Europe right now. And a lot of our coaches have seen have seen a nice spike in clientele. Everything was going great. Um, new coaches were being hired, full-time coaches. And now they get the message last weekend where it's like, hey guys, we're shutting down for four to eight weeks minimum. So now these coaches are like, okay, we've done this before. We know the process. We're not overly concerned with it, but it's just annoying. So that's that's those that's that sample size of like six six gyms in in Europe. So we're also seeing you know on the big dog side, right? Like there's athletes that are that are losing access to gyms, and now they're like, I just can't handle this anymore, right? I'm like I'm fed up. I'm over it. And us as coaches now we're trying to navigate where it's like okay, let's take a step back and. How do we actually add value to these clients, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's like what can what can coaches do to continually add value to their clients, no matter what situation they're in. Um, and I think that's just so important, so timely, so relevant right now. Um, I think we're in a good spot here in the United States because most places are still open. Um, but I think I told you this last week. I got an email last week from uh, my kid's school district, and they're just like, you know, uh, we're we're in the orange or yellow i forgot the color coding but we're we're there and once we go once we get you know one percent more cases we're gonna have to completely shut down again and it might be for the rest of the school year right so we're not in in the united states we're not in the clear either right i think i think uh in some places uh we're gonna start seeing in a lot of places i think we're gonna start seeing re-shutdowns um and i think a lot of that depends on what happens right now and you know this election and all of that so um I think something's going to happen one way or the other as soon as this thing is all rectified and we know what, what the country is doing moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, point of this conversation uh, is that one of the biggest 
problems and one of the uh, most common questions that arose when we went through that first uh, series of shutdowns and lockdowns was coaches, um, like on those daily webinars we were hosting, mm -hmm. coaches really struggling to get their clients to be compliant in that time. When they're not like physically in the gym with them training, it was that like, how do I get my clients to do this workout I'm delivering for them? I'm following the systems, I'm giving them their workout and true coach, but they're still not doing it. Like what what's going on here? And uh, whether the client is training at home or at the gym, it really doesn't matter. If you can enhance the client's connection to the program design, you're really going to eradicate, like, um, you know, crazy stuff happens. But for the most part, you can eradicate that issue of compliance mm -hmm. that comes up for coaches. Yeah, I think, um, well, let's, do you want to dive into the first uh, first topic here? Yeah, I, I before we get into it, though, can you just recount that story that you told me uh <laughs> On the on the phone the other day, um, why in your mind uh, the topic of connection was so important? Oh man, yeah, um, yeah. So the story that I told you was a a personal one, right? It was it was me and my kid, my nine year old, right? Um, we mess around, right? Like we have a we have a home gym. We go out there. He enjoys it, uh, you know. But he's a nine year old, right? He's not like you know, biting at the bit to get outside of the gym and lift weights as a nine year old. And it's like. That's okay, right? I have to like make myself be okay with that, but it's like that's okay. But we we tried something a little bit new um, this past week, where you know, I said I was his name is Colton, so I was like Colton, I, I want to, because he he said something about working out, and he's like, yeah, I want to you know get out there a couple times a week, blah blah blah, and I was like, okay, but I want you to be a part of this process, and he's like, okay, I have no idea what that means. Cool, let's go out to the garage. So we we go out to the garage, we get on the whiteboard, and. I just quickly lay out to him patterns, right? I'm like, as a human, we need to be able to perform these patterns, these six patterns adequately, right? And I, I, I laid them out, right? I'm like, you need to squat in this situation. You need to lunge in these situations. You need to bend. You need to push. You need to pull. You need to be able to use your core. Um, and you need to be able to breathe, right? Um, and we're like right in the middle of a football season with him this year, right? So I actually um, connected all those things to what he was doing in football, and his eyes lit up. He's like, okay, I'm interested. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, well, let's take a step back. You're going to actually help me design your training program. And he's like, what are these words that you're saying? I don't even know what you're talking about. So I was like, okay, so we're going to come out here at least two times a week, right? And we're going to do resistance training two times a week. I want you to go through these patterns and I want you to put a number one or a number two next to these patterns. And that's going to, that's going to tell us if we're going to do these things on day one or day two. So he goes to the squat, he puts a one, he goes to the lunge, he puts a one. I'm like, hey, let's hold on a second, right? Like, so I walk him through like, hey, how does how do your legs feel when you do those goblet squats that you always do? How do your legs feel when you do those walking lunges that you always do or those split squats? And he's like, yeah, my, my like this part of my leg really hurts. It, it gets really tired. I was like, okay, so do you think it's a great idea to put both of those things on the same day? And he's like, no, not at all. So he's like, okay, I'll erase that. I'll put a two there. Um, so we, ju we just kind of went through that process and – we essentially got to the point where he designed his training program, his own two-day-a-week training program. So it was like, you know, we're doing these three patterns on this day, plus we're breathing. We're doing these three patterns on this day, plus we're breathing. He begged for a third day, and I was like, okay, let's just breathe on that third day. And he's like, okay. Um, and when it came to actually being in the gym and executing those workouts, which we've done hundreds of times, there was something different, right? He was excited, like actually excited. He was asking if he could do more. 
He's like, can I hold this extended front plank for 100 seconds instead of 90 seconds? And I'm like, have at it, man. Like, he was really excited. And in our kind of, like, you know, post-workout, we kind of just took a walk. I just asked him a few questions, like, you know, how, did that feel different? Why did it feel different? Um, and essentially what he said, he was just like, in in our terms, it would be, you know, I felt connected to what I was doing. But what came out of his mouth was something more like um, – I felt like uh, I felt like I was doing something that I made. That's what he said. So that just goes back to the point. And, you know, I think we're like three days into this, like, new training program. And every day, like, we're seeing the same things. And he's excited to get into the gym. And he's asking for a fourth day now, right? So I'm just like, no, we're not, we're not going to train four days a week as a nine-year-old. You don't need to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's where the, the idea of connection really came into play. And that we talk about that shit all the time, right? But... To see that work, not work, but to see that be effective with a nine-year-old was, like, really eye-opening. Yeah, I can so relate to that idea of, like, being part of the process um, as to just being a kid with my kitchen, uh, with my mom in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And um, we had, like, kids' cookbooks. I was in the kitchen with my mom every day, like, cooking dinner. She kind of showed me, like, which spices would go with which meats and, like, how to chop veggies and all of that stuff. And I love cooking now. Like, it's a part of my life. It's something that makes me happy. Um, I cook healthy meals for my friends and my family. It brings me a lot of joy. And I think it's because I was, you know, early on, like it was, I was part of that process and didn't just like see the end result on the table and didn't just have it like thrust upon me. And these lessons that we learn as kids, I think it's just as the same as, uh, you know, when you're an adult and you working with Colton like that, obviously you're not going to do it exactly the same uh, working with, a, with an adult client. But like, do you sit down with your clients and have them be a part of that process when you are uh, doing programming for them? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I know we talk about that a lot, you know, and, and, you know, uh, webinars that we do and on CCP cohort calls and everything. We, we always talk about, you know, how do you, f how can you find ways to create better connection with the exercise, nutrition and behavior prescriptions with your clients and everyone is different, right? So there's, there's some people that do want to be a part of that process and they want to see, you know, the 12 month plan and they want to see what they're doing and why they're doing it. There's some people that don't give a shit and they're like actually don't show me that because that messes with my mind I hired you to be my coach and I just want you to tell me what to do and now we're stuck in that position where we're like okay if we're trying to create a level of autonomy with this client and they're telling us that they don't want to be a part of that process what do we do right and I used to like you know um, early ID days like you know six seven six seven years ago I just listened to him, right? I was like, cool, that's what you want. You're paying me. I'm going to go into my uh, office and I'm going to create this training program and I'm going to get you better. But what I realized over time was when I did that, those are the clients that actually didn't stick around or those are the clients that didn't get results because they had no level of connection to their exercise program. So I think we can connect people directly to what they're doing in like the A's and the B's and all of that, or we can connect them to the concept and connect them to why they're doing exercise. Because that's such an important thing to ask, right? It's like, why are we doing exercise? And if if I asked that to Colton, right, I'm like, why are you doing exercise? He's going to, he would have said, because you do it and because you say it's good for me, right? Now, when I ask him that, he says, because I need to be able to squat, lunge, push, pull, bend, use my core, 
for these reasons and I have to do that effectively. And I'm like, okay, that's connection, right? So if I can create connection with a, a nine-year-old, there's no excuse why any one of us coaches can't, can, can, cannot make a connection with a 20, 30, 40, 80-year-old, right? Because we all have a reason why we do things, but we just need to be, that, that needs to be brought to light. So I think it starts with the question of why are you doing fitness? And then I think it expands from there. So I mentioned like the person that really wants to know what they're doing. That, that's, that doesn't make it right. Like that person may not be connected to why they're doing fitness or the person that just kind of wants to be out or the person in the middle that's kind of like, uh, yeah, cool. I like it when you tell me, but you know, um, I don't need you to tell me like a great example of that is like Emma, right? It's like, you know, I'll shoot Emma video sometimes and I'm like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is our program, blah, blah, blah. And she gives me like a, you know, Hey, thanks. I really appreciate that. But she doesn't need that. Right. Like I just want to do that as like a, sorry, Emma, I'm, I want to do that as like a, you know, I want to like make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to, to make her, to, to ensure that she's connected to her, her training program. Cause I don't see her in the gym every day now. Right. So it's like, those are just like tactful things that we can do to just be like, Hey, I'm still paying attention. Hey, we, there's still a reason why we're doing these things. So I, th I think that's important. Yeah, this uh, whole notion of making your client a part of the process is really like the first of six tactics that we're going to lay out to increase connection to program design. And just to kind of wrap that one up there, one thing I found really valuable, especially when people run into roadblocks. So, you know, they're, they're time poor or, you know, they were going to cook a healthy dinner, but then there was a food truck out the front of the, you know, uh, the grocery store mm -hmm. and so they went and they got pizza from the food truck instead helping them actually be a part of the process of finding solutions to those problems so rather than just telling them you know walk into the grocery store or go to bed 30 minutes earlier like stuff like that actually asking them how could you you know make this not be an issue next time what can you do do to help yourself uh, in the future i found that be a really beneficial way to bring them into the solution uh, to you know whatever obstacles they're running into yeah yeah and it's it's also important to note that you know just because you have the conversation once or twice or three times or ten times it's sometimes it's not that easy right it has to be a consistent conversation that you have with your clients over x amount of months until they actually get it um gosh we would love to think that you know a 30-minute consult and laying out you know intentions and why we're doing this and blah 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 that works, but it's like some with some clients it, it clicks right away, right? And it's it's they're good to go. But with most it it takes them hearing that month over month over month over month. And that's where consistency as a coach comes in, right? Like you have to care about them and you have to be consistency consistent in how you care about them and the things that you say to them. So um humans are, are difficult. Humans are complex. So um usually it's not one time and out with any prescription. Yeah, I uh can so think of a great example of that right now where it's not just months it's been years with one client of this constant back and forth around managing intensity mm -hmm. and uh, you know keeping things we call it chill keep things chill and he is you know high power professional go 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 kind of mindset military background like just wants to go hard every single day and early on, you know, it was a joke. Like he thought it was funny that he was on the ground, exhausted after his sustainable pace workouts. But 
over constant conversation, monthly consultations for years, uh, true coach notes, you know, easy pace, chill pace. Uh, I want you to be able to hold a conversation during this. He's finally at the point where he'll tell me in his notes, you know, I kept a chill pace, like mm. I kept it sustainable and he gets that. But I could have stopped giving him those notes after a month and just assumed that he was going to, you know, follow what I told him. It's really easy to make assumptions and think because you understand something that the person on the other end of the screen and gosh, this is especially important if people are remote and you're not getting that instant feedback with them. It's so easy to make those assumptions and think that people know what you're thinking even if you've if you've said it you know 30 times sometimes you have to say it 300 times for it to finally sink in and especially when it's like it's deep rooted in people they have these personality traits where they think that their value is tied to you know how hard they work that's going to bleed into their programming and how they work out and how they approach their workouts and it takes years and years to pull back those layers yeah there's I'll, I'll end it here. We keep saying we'll end it on this one, but we keep extending this one. Uh, but I think this is a, a another good point is there has to be teaching inside of prescribing, right? Because if you told that, that client that you have, if you were like, uh, you know, do, do sustainable work and don't, don't, don't lie on the ground after this sustainable work period, he's probably going to just say, okay, why, right? Or he may not even ask why and kind of just ignore it and, and not actually um, listen to you, right, and practice. But it's like if you lay it out and you're like, hey, these are the reasons why I want you to be sustainable. You start talking about cortisol. You start talking about stress. You start talking about digging yourself a hole. You start talking about stress bucket in your here because of this and that. He might be like, oh, shit, she's right. Like I actually need to dial it back. And sometimes those clients are the ones that are like, they take it. You want them to go here and they go all the way back here because you just scared the shit out of them. Not saying that we need to just like scare people, but we need to teach them the why behind the prescription. And I think we'll just, uh, uh, to bring it back to connection, we'll, we'll create a better connection with the program design and the client. Yeah, gosh. And it's funny that you say that because a real turning point in that relationship was where he actually had a health scare Mm -hmm. and he was finally able to connect like what was happening to him on a daily basis with these conversations we've been having around long-term health and all of a sudden like you know the threat of death honestly became uh, something that brought him back and helped him like actually be in those conversations Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah interesting learning process for sure so we had a third tactic uh, to increase connection to program design, and that was to trust yourself. Oh, man. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, gosh, I had a conversation with a CCP coach yesterday, and we talked about – we talked about – because this, this coach, they they wanted to jump on a call, and they were – they were thinking like, you know, I need to, I need to do more. I need to do better. I need to be a better coach. Um, I, 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 I was in CCP V2. I need to get in V3 right now so I can, you know, get in there, learn all of the things and upgrade my practice. And I just started asking this coach some questions on what they were doing right now. I was like, kind of, okay, just take me through your practice. What is your practice? What do you do? And this coach took me through how they onboard clients how they coach clients on the floor, how they coach clients online, because this coach had, um, it was like a 50-50 online, on-site coach. And how do you consult with your clients? And I was like, 
you are doing a great job, right? If you're not just totally bullshitting me, which I don't think you are, you're actually doing a great job. Why do you have this imposter syndrome? Like you're not doing enough. And this coach, we kind of, this conversation took 10 minutes, this little piece, but it was like, I'm seeing other coaches doing things that I don't know how to do. And I was like, what? Right? Like what? And so we kind of like unpacked that a little bit. And this coach did have imposter syndrome to such an extent that they were thinking about giving up coaching because it was too hard, because there was too much to know. Um, And that was all external, right? So, you know, we just went through like, you know, the, the shit that you see on Instagram may not be someone else's reality. So why try to make it yours? And that coach was like, I never even thought about that. Right. I just kind of look at what people are putting on social media, what people are saying on these calls that I have and blah, blah, blah. And I just take that. And I'm like, that coach is the greatest coach in the world. They know everything. And they're they're taking all that knowledge and they're using it with every one of their clients. And we ended that conversation talking about who his clients were and what they needed. And this person had probably 90 to 95% general population, 40 plus working professional clients that just wanted to be healthy. So I was like, okay, let's go back to when we started this call because they were talking about complex, um, you know, complex systems and strength conditioning and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, where will you use that with this client? And this coach was like, well, I probably wouldn't, but now I can open up my target market. And I'm like, like, come on, man. Like, what, what, what are your true intentions as a coach? And it just came back to, I want to feel good about the prescriptions that I give my clients. And I want to have the ability to open it up if needed. So I was like, that is fair. But you can't say that you want to now quit coaching because you don't feel like you know enough and this thing is too hard if you're giving your clients that you have right now a great service. And this coach is coaching like 35, 40 people, like and doing a great job at doing at, at coaching those people. So um, going back to the top, it's like trust yourself, right? Trust yourself. Trust the knowledge that's inside of your brain. Get really, really, re- become a master. Become a master at the knowledge that's inside of your brain before you get overly concerned about packing more knowledge inside of there. And I know that sounds weird because we're an education company and we're saying that, but have a good baseline and don't worry about anything else until you master your baseline and then add stuff to it, right? Um, so I'll, I'll keep you guys updated and, and let you know if that was actually a successful conversation. But leaving that conversation, that, that it made me think about when we talked about this and we're like, hey, you know, what are some, what are some tactics? And it was like, wow, yeah, that, that just played out right in front of me a day after we talked about this thing. Yeah, gosh, and where I see it really connecting to connecting your clients to their program design is if you lack confidence and uh, because of that lock, lack of confidence, you know, you try and overprescribe and give people things that you don't really understand because you're trying to be someone that you're not, you end up shooting yourself in the foot. People can sniff, they can smell inauthenticity on people. And uh, if you aren't confident in what you're saying to your clients and putting out there, they're going to know, like they're going to be able to tell. And that only becomes an issue when you go outside of your lane and you try and give people things that you don't really understand and that don't really feel true to who you are as a coach. 
So if we want our clients to be connected to their program design, they have to trust us. They have to think of us as the expert. They're paying us money to give them fitness, exercise, behavior prescriptions. They, they wouldn't do that if they didn't think we were the expert. So when we engage in conversations, of course, be humble, you know, be open to new ideas, be okay with saying, I don't know something, but also own what you know and uh, really feel confident in, uh, in giving people things that are within, within your uh, capabilities. Yeah, that's where I think a, a good self-assessment is beneficial, where it's like if you, if you feel that as a coach and you don't trust what you're giving your clients, take a step back. Right, like create a meeting with yourself and write down all the things that come to your brain that make you think that, right? So if those things, if, if you have this list and it's like, um, you know, I never really finished any fitness education. I don't actually have a lot of experience coaching people. Um, I've, I've never really had a one-to-one consultation. It's like, okay, that imposter syndrome is probably warranted and you need to go and like fix that shit, right? Like you need to go fix that up. But if you're like, I have all of this education. I have all of this experience. My clients love me. I love my clients. It's like, be okay with where you're at and trust yourself. Um, but I don't want to just like blanket it out, like trust yourself all the time because maybe you're, you have that imposter syndrome feeling for a warranted reason because you're actually an imposter, right? Yeah, it's something to chew on and think about, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, seriously. There are a lot of people uh, out there in the fitness industry and in the social media world who uh, certainly deserve that title right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Gosh, in in every world, right? You know, um, sometimes we fall into opportunities and sometimes we don't think that we deserve that opportunity. And to cover that up, we make it look like we're crushing it, right? We make it look like we know what we're doing. We make it look like we know what we're talking about. Um, and social media is just such an easy place to see that, right? Like, um, and it's, it's difficult to say like, look, this person's an imposter. This person isn't right. But it's like so many, the sample size is so large, right? Like go to your, you know, search function on your Instagram. And if you're in fitness at all, what are you going to see? You're going to see a lot of imposters that you're not following that Instagram wants you to follow because they have 200,000 followers, right? Um, no offense to anyone with 200,000 followers. I am just jealous because I have 10. 3,000 now, Carl? Uh, I don't know. I can't swipe up yet, though. Follow at Hardwick Carl, guys. <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, n- tactic number four for increasing connection to program design was have a framework. Could you start by elaborating on that? Uh, yeah. God, I think this one is It's such an easy one in my brain, but I hope you guys understand by what I mean by have a framework. It's like have rules, have principles, have a reason why you're doing everything. Because if you don't have a framework – you don't have boundaries. And if you don't have boundaries, shit's going to go haywire at any given time, right? And I think we could all look back at, let me keep this relevant to program design. I think we could all look back at a time where we're in week, you know, four out of eight in a program or a training, a training split. And we look back at, you know, um, the, the priorities of that cycle or that cycle split. And we're like, oh my God, Wednesday, what the hell did I do? I didn't even intend to do OPEX pain on this day, but I'm like taking this person through like really tough intervals. And the, the original intention was to do map seven, right? So, um, those are, you know, those are just principle based ideas and a principle based way to design a training program specifically. Right. So if you have principles, Georgia, and you're like, just cause Georgia's, you know, coaching herself now. So if, if Georgia has principles inside of her head and she's like, 
okay, I do when I'm doing long aerobic work, I don't do really hard anaerobic work. And that's like a principle inside of your program design. It's like just because you have that like ingrained in your head, but you're like, oh, I want to kind of, you know, explore here and there or here and there. And it's like you start to see yourself doing a lot of anaerobic work and long aerobic work and you want to get better at both of those things. You're going to look at your program one day and be like, oh, my gosh, God, my framework that I have inside of my brain, I am working outside of that. So now you can check yourself to get back inside of that framework. So it's just to have principles, have principles in program design, have principles in how you speak to people, have principles in how you want to be as a coach, have principles in why you coach, right? Like principles are just so, so important. So this feels extra relevant right now to coaches, especially those in Europe or even those in the US whose clients are training remotely or have gone from training in a gym setting. They're at home. They have access to like one dumbbell and a band and that's all in their training in their living room because they can't go outside. How do you stick with principles in that setting? Because I know like I look back at my programs from that period where we first went into lockdown and we mm -hmm. didn't really know like was this going to be like a couple weeks? Yep. Was this going to be a couple months? And there are a few weeks in there where I can see like I'm a little bit confused between yep. like the training cycle I was in with my clients and then we're in this hiatus period and I'm really <laughs> not sure what's happening next. And then we kind of settled into a groove. Yeah, I think uh, Oh, watch this, right? It's November, November 4th. I'm Georgia's coach. Georgia, we just went into lockdown. Now we're having a conversation. Hey, Georgia, you have access to two dumbbells, a band, your body, and that's all that you have. Over the next six weeks, we're going to use those tools. We're going to stick to principles. Your goals are to look good. You want to feel good, and you want to explore some things. We're going to do all of those things, but you have to realize that we only have these tools at play. Are you okay to stick with these tools over the next six weeks and give this thing a go. Yes. Okay, awesome. Now I'm going back. Okay, consult over, high five. I'm gonna go back into my office. I'm gonna design this awesome training program because we're connected, right? Like I don't have this like weird feeling when I put in Wednesday where I'm like, ah, George is gonna think this is boring. No, who gives a shit? We already had this conversation, right? This thing is gonna be really linear. We're probably gonna mess around with some new things because you like to kind of explore left or right. But in my head, as your coach, I know that you're okay with what I'm giving you. So now I'm okay with what I'm giving you, right? So connection, right? Like connect your client to what you're giving them and be on the same page, right? Like me and Georgia aren't sitting down and I'm saying, hey, Georgia, we have this band, we have these dumbbells and we have your body. This is going to be the most excellent training program that you've ever done. It's going to be so fun. You're, you're, you're going to get, you're going to lose 3% body fat for sure. Over the next three weeks, you're going to add 15 pounds to your back squat, right? It's like, if I'm having that conversation, Siri did not like any of that. <laughs> you're um, getting way too <laughs> animated for Siri, Carl. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, set those expectations because usually as coaches, that shit's in our own head, right? Have you ever had a consult with a client and you thought that consult was going to go shitty because you're thinking, they're not enjoying what they're doing. Um, they haven't filled out their their uh, true coach in the past, you know, two weeks. But what you get on with them, they're like, Georgia, I fucking love what we're doing. Sorry about the true coach thing. I've just been so busy with my family and I've been so engaged in the gym that I actually forgot to actually put in my results. I love this. Like, can I sign up for another two years with you? Right. 
I've absolutely <laughs> had that. And I was just like reflecting on it this morning. It's something that's gotten better over time as I think I've just trusted myself a little bit more and uh, gained confidence in my abilities uh, as we were talking about. Uh, but I used to go through this cycle where I'd have all my consultations, you know, kind of at the beginning of the month with my clients, everything was good and dandy. The weeks tick on and just because I'm working mostly with remote clients. You're a little bit further away from them. You're not having that daily face-to-face -face where you're like seeing them in the gym, giving them high fives, all that, all of that good stuff. I would feel like, oh, they're, you know, they're probably not enjoying themselves. Like, did they actually like this thing? How was their experience doing this like new back squat cycle? And I'd, I'd have this anxiety going into that next round of consultations and then everything's like awesome, you know? Yep. Um, so, Anyway, I, I know that feeling for sure. Yeah, so it goes back to, I think all of these, <laughs> all of these points kind of connect, but it's like connect your client to what they're doing and trust yourself as a coach and what you're giving your clients. Yeah. Right? Because most coaches that do this thing full-time and that do this thing as a, and they take it seriously, right? I'm not going to throw the term professional there, but they do it seriously. They care about their clients. Most of those coaches do a good enough job to not have to worry about how how does my client feel right now right and it's like i get it you know some people are over carers and that's that's okay in some instances but sometimes when we over care about every single person about every single thing it actually puts us in this like loop of like you know this this negative feedback loop of like i'm not doing enough i'm not doing the right things i'm not and we're just so in, engaged in that loop that we don't have time to take a step back and enjoy the awesome relationship that we have with our clients to enjoy uh sitting down and designing a an awesome training program right because you know reflect back on or just reflect on a weekly basis or daily basis however often you design training programs do you enjoy writing training programs because the coaches that don't usually there's either a level of like you know anxiety that they're not good at it there's a level of anxiety that their clients aren't happy there's a level of anxiety of i actually don't want to coach and i don't want to do this anymore right so i think that's like a that's a red flag if you don't enjoy getting on consults with your clients and you don't enjoy designing training programs, I'm not telling you to quit coaching, <laughs> take a step back and identify why you don't enjoy those things and um, clean that stuff up, right? Because you should enjoy getting on consults. You should enjoy designing training programs. We're all busy guys. We're all busy. Um, so I, I know how the days can kind of like compound on each other. Um, but if you don't enjoy those things, take a step back and, and figure out what will make you enjoy those things. Yeah, coaching is certainly not the easiest way to make money in the scheme of uh, professions. So if you aren't actually enjoying the process, uh, of course, work is work. But if you don't enjoy the act of coaching and engaging with people, uh, then, yeah, probably the, the wrong profession for you. But gosh, I, I kind of disagree with you because when I was coaching like 65, 70 people, I enjoyed it and it was really easy to make money. Well, fair, fair. You know, and that's individual design, though. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true, that's true. Yep. All right, well, uh, tactic number five, I think we should roll into that, and that uh, was to be okay with imperfection. Oh, man, this is a, this is a I, deep one. I thought you were perfect, Carl. Um, this isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm one of the most imperfect people. Um, yeah, I think... Um, 
we we spend too much time trying to get things perfectly right right so it's like we try to design the perfect training program instead of doing the previous four things that we just talked about right so imagine yourself if you are that coach that really does enjoy designing training programs but you don't enjoy consultations and you sit down and you're like i'm so laser focused on designing the perfect program and i don't actually put any time and effort to connecting my clients to this program or to have ongoing conversations or connection with my client it's like that program is now one of the worst programs for that client because they don't give a shit about it you know um so it's funny how all these things really do connect but um have a framework have principles stay within those and explore some stuff inside of there right there's a lot of opportunity to explore we have principles in fitness but guys let's be honest there's no perfect prescription for every person. There's not even a perfect prescription for a single person, right? Every day that you and I wake up, Georgia, we're, we're different human beings. Things have changed in us, right? Even if like we get to the age where we're not actually growing anymore and we're not, you know, adapting really, um, we may have gotten a little bit less sleep last night, right? So now you're a different person than you were yesterday when you woke up right? Maybe you have some things on your mind today and you're not engaged as engaged as you were yesterday. You're not the same person. So, you know, this perfect seven day training program now is not perfect because you're a different person from day one to day two. So I say all of that just to say not to sit down and spend 60 minutes to design that perfect training program. Stay within your principles, design something that you know is right for your client and that pushes them a little bit closer to their goals. And it's something that they're going to enjoy doing inside of the gym or in their backyard or in their house, wherever they're training and worry about that stuff and put a little bit more effort into those other pieces. So that's, that's kind of where my head was at when, when I heard you say, be okay with imperfection. Um, don't spend too much time in areas that aren't going to, it's almost like the, 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 um, the, What's the the squeeze? The juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. That's so it. yeah, so in those in those instances, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. So where I think about this is uh, just making sure, like obviously, you don't want to be so imperfect that you send someone down this route of like you know they wanted to get leaner and all of a sudden they're like training for a strongman competition <laughs> and just like putting on body weight. Make sure you have like little check-ins and like litmus tests and like an open feedback loop with your clients so you can make sure that they are in the broad scheme of things progressing in the right direction. Um, But again, like things aren't going to go right from week to week. Not everything is going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes as a coach. You're going to, you know, forget to write the reps and sets at some point in your program designs. And so long as you make sure that you have open communication, you can catch yourself on those things so you don't go so far down the wrong route. You're not just like copying and pasting no reps and sets like every week from week to week <laughs> and every week your client's messaging you and you're not you know reading this has never happened to me but uh, <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> but you want to make sure you know you're reading those messages you're reading the feedback and you can make adjustments um, because those mistakes will happen but if you're open honest and like human about it like normally it's not a big deal yeah coaches have to be so agile right it's like um we have to be agile and that sometimes we give the wrong prescription right well most times we give the wrong Mm -hmm. prescription um maybe not most times often (laughs) we give the wrong prescription but that's why you know personalized fitness and and individual design is so 
is such a powerful thing because we can catch that. You know what I mean? If I give you the wrong thing on Monday, next Monday, I'm not going to give you the wrong thing again, right? I'm going to kind of adjust with you. Um, and that's that's what the whole model is is built off of, right? So, um, yeah, I know we're getting down the, the, the ID rabbit hole, but I think it's it's relevant when talking about all of these points and having connections with your clients and giving them the right things and being okay with being agile and being okay with getting feedback from your client and not always looking down at them like, I'm the coach, I know it all, right? So it's like, I don't need you to tell me that this didn't feel good. We need to do this again next week because this is the this is the exercise that you need to do and this is the only exercise that you can do to get you to where I know you need to go. Yeah, gosh, and to avoid going down that ID rabbit hole, something that comes to mind with this idea of imperfection, especially right now with clients training at home, like, is it wrong for that client to want to do a Peloton workout or to want to, you know, do some online yoga class a couple times a week or all of these other things if they're able to do it consistently? What do you think? Gosh, I mean, I think you know where I stand on that. No, right? It's like if when we when we talk about individual design, like what are we what is the outcome that we want, right? Us, it's we want everyone to do their ideal version of fitness. Right? So is it going to hurt someone to jump on a Peloton bike and follow this instructor on a screen for 30 minutes on a Tuesday? No, right? If if that's going to hurt that client, you're probably giving them the wrong stuff if they can't <laughs> if they can't adjust and jump on a bike and go for 30 minutes at any given time. Um, is it wrong to go off program and do yoga in their house and skip a training session because they're auto-regulating and they're like, I'm just not feeling it today? No, that's ideal for them right now, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered that, Georgia, but I, I think uh, as long as that person is doing something that is safe, that they're capable of doing, and that doesn't derail them from what they're trying to do in fitness, by all means, go for it. Yeah, that absolutely answers it. And uh, to me, that notion of the ideal version of fitness, what it connects to is not like some idea we've concocted in our head of what ideal means, but fitness that matches someone's lifestyles, what their capabilities are, and, uh, you know, what their resources and, and access is in that moment. Yep. All right. Number six, let's hit our sixth uh, tactic, uh, which is to surround yourself with a good support system. Yeah, that's an important one. Um, I think we talked about that on, I think we talked about that on a, on our last OPEC staff call where we were kind of talking about, you know, how difficult it is right now, you know, with everyone being remote and, you know, you guys that are listening, if you guys are going back on lockdown and you can kind of go back to the first time you're on lockdown, it was like, you were probably around the same two, three, four people day after day after day after day. Um, and I think it's important to look at, you know, based on what my goals are, based on, you know, how I want to feel on a daily basis. I think most of us want to feel happy on a daily basis. Are we surrounding ourselves with like-minded people or people that are already to where we want to go, right? So we can look at this in uh, economics, right? Like if you want to make more money, you should probably surround yourself with people that make more money, right? Make the amount of money that you want to make, right? And I'm not saying like, let's build this like classist society and like separate yourself from, uh, you know what I'm saying though? So it's like, it is true. It's like, we are the, you know, three to five people that we surround ourselves with. So it's like, you know, if you want to be a smarter fitness coach, 
surround yourself with smarter fitness coaches. Hang out with Carl Hardwick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing. (laughs) I'm blushing. You guys can't see it, but I'm blushing under this skin. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's an important thing to think about, right? Um, If you want to be, if you don't want to be miserable, don't surround yourself with a bunch of miserable people, right? Like that's those those things are so important, right? So, um, when we start to look at how that affects, you know, coaches versus how that affects clients, coaches, this is a great conversation that you should have with your clients, right? Ask them, you know, do you feel like you're supported in these goals that we talk about every single month? Like, what is your support system? What does that look like, right? And if they're like, well, no, I have these friends that, you know, they're, they're great friends of mine. They're awesome people. My goal is to stop drinking alcohol every weekend, but everyone I hang out with drinks alcohol every weekend. It's like, well, what do you think you should do, right? It's like, if that's that important to you, maybe you shouldn't hang out with those people on the weekends, right? So it's like just little things like that, that I think a lot of coaches and definitely a lot of clients, they just don't think about. They're just like, I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. I want to do this thing. But there's this crutch, but there's this crutch, but there's, you know what I mean? So, you know, if that crutch is your, you know, husband or wife or your kids, like, I don't know, that's probably a conversation outside of my scope of practice. But um, think about what you need to do to create a better support system. To play devil's advocate on that a little bit, though, for the people, um, you know, someone who's in London and they've just gone on lockdown and they're stuck at home with an unsupportive spouse or a roommate um, or, you know, parents who are not supportive of their goals. Like, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, (laughs) don't do this. But I think that's why we saw, you know, divorce rates increase significantly during the lockdown, especially, well, at least here in the United States. I'm not sure about overseas, but. We saw divorce rates increase, right? Um, I'm not saying go and get divorced, but it's like, you know, why why is there disconnection there? Just the same things that we talked about in, in the first few points. It's like, is there a conversation to be had, right? Like if you're, if you're 20 pounds overweight and your family is also 20 pounds overweight and they don't support your goals of losing weight, maybe that's a teaching opportunity to sit down and say, hey, I think this is good for our entire family right, to all be aligned on wanting to lose body fat, right, and, like, these are the reasons why, and blah, 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 so it's, like, you know, if that, if, if that doesn't work, it's, like, I, I have nothing for you, but um, I think we, we have to communicate, right, like, we have to communi- communicate our feelings um, if we're actually in those issues or in those, in those situations, and we have to, we have to let it known that, we have to let it be known that those are issues that we're having. Yeah, I guess uh, one positive there is that, you know, you spend more time in a situation with the people that you're, you know, living with, those issues are going to bubble to the surface, surface and you are going to become more aware of them. So uh, maybe you can do something about it moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, every, every group of people, every group of people, and this is just, this is just um, how, we, how we are as humans, every group of people has a leader, whether it's spoken or unspoken. Every group of people has a leader. So it's like, identify who the leader is in your group of people let me ask this who's the leader in your house you or jacob you know the answer to that (laughs) carl (sighs) man guys i just uh just opened up a can of worms or jacob's like yeah fuck it yeah you know him too he's totally (laughs) fine with it he loves it yeah so it's like you know we we have to identify you know the i'm just going to use hierarchy just just to say that word um but we have to identify what the hierarchy is and you know, who's actually the, the decision maker, right? Like if we're, um, 
if we're the parent to three kids, it's like, you better be the leader as the parent, right? So, um, don't be the problem, right? So if you're, if you're the, if you're the one that has the terrible attitude, if you're the one that has the terrible lifestyle habits, it's like, look in the mirror and fix those, right? If you're not the leader, Jacob, if you're not the leader in your household, you need to have those conversations with the leader, right? And, uh, that's how you get on the same page, right? It's like, um, we have to make other people, understand the way we feel and we have to make under people we have to attempt to make other people if they're not going to get on board with it at least understand it right because you know there's i know there's a lot of people in in households that have different behaviors and they have a great relationship but there's like this understanding that you know you're that person and i'm this person and we're actually okay with that it's almost like you know me and my wife right like she's not a fitness addict (laughs) i am she doesn't hate me for it. She's like, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, you do your thing, man. Like you're always thinking about fitness or doing fitness or something around that, um, which which is okay, right? But I can see it go uh, the other way where it's like I've actually – well, I have seen it go the other way where, you know, there's there's someone that is so engulfed in like this certain thing, behavior, um, work, activity, whatever it is, and it actually separates them from their spouse and they actually – break up because of it and, and leave each other yeah. because there's not that understanding of like this is you this is me it's okay we're different people dude i lived that when i first got into fitness i had a long-term relationship uh disintegrate because uh couldn't couldn't handle it couldn't handle it yeah it's a good way to put it well guys i think that's a good place to wrap our uh, six tactics to connect your clients to program design now we do have a couple q a's in the chat box so i would like to hit on them before we do wrap up uh, and connor had asked he wants to coach mixed modal athletes would we recommend doing ccp and then mixed modal or is just the mixed modal course enough so carl as course instructor of ccp you want to take this yeah um yeah that's a tough one just because i don't know what you know right now um i don't know your background i don't know um what's inside of your brain just because we we say things a very certain way at opex right like we our verbiage is so different than anyone else's in the industry and i'm not saying it's better it's just ours we speak a certain way we believe things um a certain way and usually it's a little bit different than than everyone else so ccp is that's where you kind of learn the language um, let's just put it that way. So I will always recommend that anyone goes through CCP first, just because we want them to join the tribe and speak our language and be a part of us. Um, not to say that if you go the mixed modal route, like we're going to shun you. It's like, you're, you're not one of us, but I think it just sets you up better to, to understand the nuance concepts inside of mixed modal. Um, but on the other hand, like if you're a well-versed coach and, and you get it and you understand, you know, principles and all of that, it's like, yeah, definitely jump into mixed modal if you if you feel like you're ready for that. Cool. I hope that answers your question, Connor. Uh, next one came from Hans, and he asks, uh, could you explain what battery work is? Oh, yeah. Oof, this is outside of this conversation. Is, but yeah, hey, it's let's, good. let's go into it. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, just think of, think of battery work being – uh, work that's performed in a given amount of time where you're you're performing tougher contractions over and over and over again and those contractions are higher percentages of your one rep max so for instance um, if I said hey I want you to uh, clean and jerk uh, 
20 reps at 80% of your one rep max for time, that would be battery work. If I say that, if I tell you I want you to do, you know, 10 snatches at 70%, then I want you to go do like some gymnastic stuff and then eight snatches at 70% and go do some gymnastics, blah, 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 all the way down to two, that would be battery work. So just think about uh, performing tougher contractions um, over and over and over. Usually it's higher volume uh, in a given amount of time. Cool. And then Hans had also asked about scholarships. We don't currently have any scholarships that we're running uh, for CCP. Last question is one that we had. On we will in 2021, though. Th so we, we ran our 2020 scholarship we already. We did. Yeah, we yep. did. Thank you for hitting yep, on that. Yep. Um, last question was one we had on Instagram, and it was around the terminology we use inside of CCP, specifically like scientific terms for anatomy and movement. Is that something that a coach should use on the floor when working with their clients? Ooh, depends on who you're talking to. Um, if you're talking to someone that has zero experience, in anatomy, physiology, anything like that. Let's say they're, you know, a, a second grade school teacher, right? They teach English. <laughs> it's like, are you going to connect with them when you start to use anatomical terms? Like, if you can and they understand that, awesome, do it. If not, don't, because when people don't understand things, usually they don't ask for you to explain what you mean. They just nod their head and they just go about their business because no one likes to feel stupid. So I would always dumb everything down even to the highest level like knowledge wise person right it's like why not just use ankle <laughs> right um so yeah i would i would keep it i would keep it dumbed down on the floor for sure um just because if someone doesn't understand what you're talking about most likely they're not going to ask you what you mean and then that means they're not going to actually get any benefit from you coaching them on the floor. Yeah, gosh, and times I see this go wrong is often when there is a confidence issue on part of the client, uh, the coach and they're trying to build <laughs> themselves up by using big terms and it just overwhelms the client and uh, it ends up not being good for anyone. Guys, no one likes that coach either. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really like that coach that much. Nope, nope. Coaches certainly don't. Yeah, yeah, gosh, just, yeah, just use... Use normal language, guys. Don't be that guy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we are going to wrap this very first episode of Backroom Talk live uh, now. Now, we will be back first uh, week in December, same yep. time, uh, Wednesday, to do this all over again. Um, so we look forward to that. Please make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel so you get notifications about it. And we would massively appreciate if you could leave us a like and a comment below this video to let us know what you thought. It will really help us make the conversation better for you next time. To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com.